My dad died. I miss my friends because of... I don't know how to tell my friends that. I want to help my friends. I don't know how. The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely. How can I best support students in my classroom? My uncle abused me. The morning meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is the morning meeting. Hi, my name is Mandy Zucker, the host of The Morning Meeting. Today's guest is Lane Peace Hendricks. She's the Director of Programs at Kate's Club in Atlanta, Georgia. Kate's Club is a nonprofit grief support center serving children and soon to serve young adults as well. Today, we're going to talk about grieving after complicated relationships. Lane knows some things about that. She's been the Program Director of Kate's Club, I think, for almost 10 years uh, she's uh, she's got a degree in philosophy and a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling, but she also has a degree in grief after the loss of her husband when her children were young. They are now uh, young adults, so I'm excited to talk to Kate today. So, Lane, thank you so much for coming on the morning meeting. I'm very happy to talk to you today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So, I had been watching a webinar that you had done for the National Alliance for Children's Grief about what grief is like after someone dies that you had a complicated relationship with and sort of some of the myths and ways that people think about how people grieve. And I thought it was a really interesting webinar and I thought it would be a good conversation to have today on the podcast. So, oh, well, you're welcome. I thought it was a great topic. You know, I do quarterly lunch and learns here at Kate's Club where I work, did it on that topic and thought about expanding it just a little and doing it as a webinar as well, because I think there's this misconception or somehow when somebody dies, everything's tied up in a bow and we only get sad or we only have the right to grieve and we were really close and we had this wonderful, warm relationship and you know how to process your grief and you're sad. But the truth is, relationships are complicated. You know, usually there's a lot of gray areas. They're not all good. They're not all bad. Some of them can be really difficult. And then when that person dies, how do we process and how do we grieve? And you're not always, you don't always receive the same support you might had. You had a wonderful, close and loving relationship with that person. So before we get into it, I wanted to just do a little bit of background about you. Why don't you tell everybody who you are and where Kate's Club is and what you do for them. Okay, I am at um, Lane Pease Hendricks. You might see my name as uh, I am at Kate's Club in Atlanta, Georgia, and we're a bereavement organization for children ages five to eighteen. Though we are um, starting in 2022, offering young adult support as well. And I have been at Kate's Club nine years. My background is clinical mental health counseling. And even before that, that master's, I say I got my master's in grief when my, my first husband died when my kids were nine months old and four years old. So I come from to the profession in, in a couple of ways. Absolutely right. Certainly the lived experience, I'm sure is helpful is probably not the right word, but allows you to connect with people in a way that other people might not be able to. So why don't we just talk about you know, I think when oftentimes when we think about complicated relationships, we are thinking about death and complicated grief. Um, it's not always. So what are some of the relationships that you, I mean, obviously Kate's Club deals with death, but I just want to normalize what that is. So when we experience a loss of a complicated relationship, 
what kinds of relationships are you talking about? Well, it could be any relationship, right? It could be uh, the, a partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse. It could be a parent, a friend, a sibling, anybody that you, you had any kind of relationship with. Right. But I mean, it doesn't have to be a death, right? Like it could be, oh, okay. yeah. it could be, you know, you lose your job. Um, right. Things. Well, we grieve any loss, right? It's all those feelings and emotions and reactions we have to loss. That's really what grief is. So you could be grieving a breakup, a change in relationship. Uh, maybe somebody becomes incarcerated. Maybe somebody is de- deported or deployed. We have grief from all of these things, you know, and I specifically, the most part deal with bereavement, which is, you know, the, the loss by death, but there are all kinds of losses that we grieve and those con- relationships can be complicated too. So the grief can, can be a little more challenging. The other thing I think that's, you know, you could have, I'm going to say a typical healthy relationship, um, not that complicated. But somebody could be sick for a long time and that illness can cause a lot of strain on the relationship as well. So, you know, I feel like I hear this all the time, like, well, they're not in pain anymore. So, or it must be such a relief. You don't have to take care of them anymore. And that's complicated too. That's that feeling that, you know, there may be some relief, but it doesn't mean that you're not incredibly sad and lonely and all of the things. When, when people tell grievers, you know, well, um, they're in a better place or they're not in pain. I always tell them, we'll say, but I am, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm not in a better place. I am in pain because it's really about the griever who's left behind. So definitely. And also in those long illnesses, people change too, while they're sick. I, I was just talking, giving a lecture today at a university for a child life specialist who work in the hospital. So, or they're going to be child life specialists. And I was talking about how people, you know, whether the parent or sibling is in the hospital and sick or in hospice and the decline, maybe if they have cancer, the changes in cognitive ability or their behavior can really change. They can lash out. That can make the person who's taking care of them have all kinds of conflicted feeling too. And sometimes then right after that person grieves, there's this inability to kind of look at the the whole of the relationship, all the good parts that they had in the relationship. And they're kind of focused on that. Oh, my husband was so angry at me for weeks. He, cause usually, you know, people who are dying sometimes lash out and they do it usually to the people that are closest to them that are there, that they feel safe with, that they love the most, unfortunately. Talk a little bit about what are some of the common things that you may see when you've had a really, we'll say complicated relationship with someone that's died. So they've been abusive. They've, you know, you've been estranged, you know, some of those more, I don't even want to say extreme, but you know, some of those really difficult relationships that many people have. What are, what are some of the differences between that kind of grief and the grief that somebody might experience when they've had a fairly healthy, loving relationship with someone? I think sometimes the feelings of guilt are a little more intense. Like, well, maybe I should have called my mother more, or maybe I should have tried to, to get my sister to stop using drugs more instead of blaming her or being angry at her. So a lot of times there's guilt. Sometimes there's a little bit of relief if that person was experienced addiction or was abusive. I've had kids, you know, even children tell me, well, at least they can't 
spank me so hard anymore or or they have a disclosed abuse afterwards that they feel a little bit of relief and usually that relief then comes automatically with guilt for feeling that way another thing way in which they differ is that they're not always supported in their grief so even teachers may say but definitely classmates or friends or if you're talking you know we're i know we're talking to a lot of young adults your friends may say well i thought it'd been like five years since you've seen your dad like, why are you so upset? Right. Or yeah. like, I thought you didn't talk to your grandmother anymore because she was a real, you know, witch. <laughs> and that doesn't mean we're not grieving, right? That doesn't mean the person's not grieving. And I think what's so different is you're grieving two things. You're, you're grieving that loss of the person, but you're grieving the, the hope, the hope that things will change, that the relationship will get better, that it can be repaired, that that person will actually listen to what you have to say. I spend a lot of time in high schools after um, students die. So when somebody student dies, I may go to the high school and support the students. And there's a lot of comparing that happens. Like, well, you were the best friend, so you can be really sad. You, you weren't even nice to that person or you didn't even like them. So you don't have the right to feel bad. And there's a lot of this judging that happens. So when you said, you know, the lack of support, I think we we all kind of do that. It's sort of human nature to decide like, well, this, this relationship is worth supporting uh, because I know that it must be really painful versus, well, this one, it wasn't a good relationship anyway, so they shouldn't be feeling bad and I don't need to support that person. Definitely, definitely. Um, you see that when people have had estranged relationships or you see that in ex-spouses, many times, oh, never mind that they were married for 15 years, you know, to begin with, or 20 years. If they've divorced, their community, you know, people around them think, oh, well, you, you're divorced. Why are, are you sad? Or you're broken up. If you think about it, college age, young adults having relationships, and then something happened to that person afterwards, if they've had a breakup, well, maybe you you're not allowed to be sad. You broke up with him or her. Yeah, we judge a lot about who has the right to grieve and how they should grieve and how they're grieving. You know, are they grieving how we think they should? Um, there's a lot of shoulds on people, of course. There are. I was talking to um, a young person actually this morning whose friend recently died by suicide. And he was telling me that He's actually never met this person in real life. They were friends on social media. So for me, as a 48-year-old person, I sort of, you know, my first thought in my mind was, well, you can't be really good friends with them if you've never really met them. But that's really not true. They had a really intimate relationship. They shared so much through social media and texting and Snapchat and all of this stuff that right. it's a huge loss for someone when they've had, you know, that's complicated too. Like I never got to meet this person in real life. We made plans. We were hoping to meet and, and we never got to. Yeah. Going along with that, I find a lot of boys, sometimes girls, but boys that definitely make friends playing video games. So they may be, uh, a boy told me yesterday, you know, his friend is in New York that he plays video games with. And that's how, you know, that's kind of who he talks to. And that's one of his systems of support. So definitely, you know, we have to broaden 
or we should broaden our, um, I'm using the should word now, <laughs> broaden our definition and be open to people, however they're feeling, however they define the relationship and help them and support them. So if somebody could take away one thing from this podcast today, I just hope that, you know, they understand that grieving after, you know, what might not be considered a typical relationship is okay. And right. it should be expected. We should, yeah. you know, I'm shooting now too. But, yeah. uh, you know, it is normal to, to grieve, you know, the positive, the negative aspects of a relationship. No relationship was perfect. So we can all have really intense feelings after someone we know that was important in our lives died. And I think, you know, then you just might have to work through it in a different way for yourself. And there's an activity we do with children or adults sometimes about looking at the good and the bad of, per, of a person, looking at people as a whole. When people die, they tend to be idealized if they were, especially if they were a pretty good person, right? They become perfect. And the truth is nobody's perfect. And we're all um, have Again, there's gray, there's gray in people, there's gray in relationships. It's kind of looking at that person as a whole and acknowledging the things that were difficult and not idealizing and acknowledging the ways they were difficult, then also acknowledging the parts that were good. You can have good memories, you can have bad memories. It's okay to remember them all. So what do you suggest for people who are really struggling with with the guilt of, you know, I should have done more, I should have reached out. Uh, you know, we hadn't spoken, um, I should have been nicer, whatever, you know, all of those shoulds. How do you work through that? Yeah, don't should on yourself for one thing. Um, sometimes we, you know, I think journaling is really powerful and letter writing can be really powerful. So sometimes our ability, the, the person's inability to accept what you were saying or what you were trying to tell them led to the estrangement, you know, that they wouldn't open up. So in their death, in a way, they have to listen is if that's kind of a weird way to put it. But letter writing, either in your journal or a letter maybe you want to destroy afterwards. Sometimes at Kate's Club, we do a burning bowl we take out and burn our letters to the person. Sometimes you want to keep them so you can kind of look back at them and reflect because the things you want to say to them could be different over time. But I think that's a really powerful tool for us. You know, your anger and, and with the guilt, you see the person as a whole person, see yourself as a whole person. Like you're going to make mistakes. You know, what I see sometimes is especially teenage girls in their relationships with their mother. You know, I have two daughters and 13 to 15 to 16 sometimes, you know, those can be real years fraught with a lot of, a lot of strife between a mother and a daughter. And what I've seen at Kate's club is then if the mother die, the daughter is usually left with a lot of guilt. So I think, you know, talking about that and saying, you know, your mother probably wouldn't want you to feel this way. You were doing what was developmentally appropriate and she was being her and you were being you. And you have this whole life to look back on too, right? Not just those moments that maybe you weren't getting along. Sometimes people can look back at like, yeah, my dad had an addiction problem. And when he got addicted, he could be really terrible to us. But I remember when I was eight and he was so kind and we used to go to the park. So I think, you know, there's a real balance and just, and also just having grace for yourself, having grace for yourself that we are human. And just because the person died, didn't mean, you know, doesn't excuse things they did necessarily either that made you difficult to get along with them. I remember I spoke to a woman once who said that she has such a better relationship with her mom now that she's dead. 
<laughs> and she said, like, we, it was so stressful. There was so much tension between the two of them when she was alive. She said, now she's dead. And I, I talk to her every night. I share my day with her. And she said, it's actually, you know, not, I don't think she wished death upon her, but she said, I've been able to repair so much because I can, I can now talk to my mom and she listens and exactly. not, yeah. you know, belittling me or criticizing me or any of the things that she did in life. But I get to, you know, I get to sort of choose the relationship that I have with her now that she's yeah. done. Yeah. So well, we say a lot, a lot that, you know, death doesn't end a relationship and all they changes it. So that really is a testament to that and changed in a positive way because um, she can define the relationship. Again, sometimes it's the inability for the person to change or listen is what's called the rift anyway. So um, in death, sometimes you can process things that maybe you couldn't before. I was talking to a woman recently who said that her father was an an alcoholic and she sort of described it. She said, I don't think I realized I was an addict as well. I was addicted to hope. I was just hoping all the time that he was going to change, that we were going to be able to repair the relationship. And then he died. And she said, and it was like, I went through withdrawal of hope. She's like, she said, my my opium was gone. Wow. Uh, That's a great uh, illustration. Yeah. So she, she still feels like that. She feels like I'm in, I'm in withdrawal right now because I am withdrawing from this hope. You know, she said she was a hope junkie. um, Yeah. And now she doesn't have the hope anymore because the relationship is over in that, you know, physical sense. Mm -hmm. That was profound. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's very powerful. Cause I think again, that's, that's what happens, especially in families with, addiction and those issues where you're waiting for someone to change. I think the the girl was 11. I was working with one time and she said, or she shared with a group, you know, the last conversation I had with my father, I told him, I yelled at him. I told him I hated him because he he was, he had a drug issues and he was abusive to the family. She said, so there's some relief now, but I feel so guilty, you know, at 11, all those, those things to hold. And again, we can help people look at, you know, the whole person and they were flawed and that it's okay. It's okay to feel some relief too, because that's a big relief off the family. At the same time, grieve the person and be sad and, and grieve the hope. And again, grieve that hope that, you know, that they would change. I think that's such a, you know, that's a difference between many of the relationships that people have that are uh, more healthy. So what do you think about if you have a friend who's going through a loss, um, how can the friends be supportive when that relationship was complicated? So, you know, if you were estranged from someone and you didn't talk about it, now the person's died how do how do people around you support you when when once the person dies? I, I think acknowledging it once for all, but really asking the person what they need. You know, I know your mom and you had a really tough relationship, and you hadn't spoken to her for a while, but. I'm not sure. Could you tell me about it now? And, you know, how you're feeling? I I imagine it's still difficult for you. You don't want to put words in their mouth. You can ask, is that right? Uh, Letting them know that you can talk. I imagine it, you know, it might be difficult to, to share, but I'm here to listen. And I think listening, listening, being there, you know, and so in listening without judgment, oh, don't say that, you know, people are angry afterwards, and they're cussing them out for doing something. Most of the time, you know, we we don't want people to be angry sometimes. But that anger is okay to accept it. 
and, and just, you know, I'm going to check in with you so often. I'm going to um, ask you how you're feeling right now. And I, I know that may get so I won't do it every day, but I'm going to check in with you and I'm going to listen to what you say. So, uh, and just accepting, you know, where they are. Um, one little boy at Kate's Club, you know, is really angry right now at his dad for, you know, his dad died by suicide and he was younger when it happened. And now that he's a little older, that's his, his place he's in right now. And I told her volunteers that work with him, that's okay. Don't try to talk him out of it, but listen and validate those feelings. And probably, you know, it, he might be in a different place next year from that anchor. But right now at the develop, you know, where he is, he feels angry at him for leaving the family. I think it's so important to really allow them to have all of their feelings. You know, right. little kids, when they say, I'm glad my dad died. And then people say, no, no, you loved your dad. You're, you know, this is terrible. Your dad was such a good person. Um, he might have been a good person to someone else, but he might not have been to right. a child. So it's so important to, you know, even at a very young age to validate, normalize all of the feelings. Right. And, and as a young adult, I think that's exactly right. We have to accept wherever they're at. So if right. you could be a really good friend to someone without judging, letting them share their story, I think that is one of the most powerful things that we can do for our grieving friends. Yeah. And definitely checking in with them just because maybe they broke up last year or six months, you know, ago and, and their ex, as they say, dies, doesn't mean that they're not having a lot of feelings about that. So check in with them, you know, just because it didn't work out in a relationship doesn't mean that person's still not grieving that, that person that was such a big part of their life for no ever how long, but yeah, checking in with them and don't just say, well, he's, he had a new girlfriend and I I'm really worried about her right now, instead of the one, maybe that was his high school sweetheart. And, and you learn that because that can be, you know, just devastating. And then you really feel, you know, when we talk about disenfranchised grief is really grief. That's not socially supported or recognize necessarily. And I think that's when we, it leads to that disenfranchised grief because you feel like you don't have a place, you know, even if you were together for years and you had broken up, those people still need support. Absolutely. And those are the people in some ways you have to worry about them more because exactly the girlfriend, everybody's around surrounding the girlfriend and providing that support, the ex-girlfriend, not so much. And that, right. you know, that person can feel really, yeah. uh, sad and then alone. Right. And especially, you know, when, when people die by suicide or if affected by that, we need to check in with everybody in the, the circles, everybody, because we know um, that people affected by suicide can be at higher risk. Uh, we definitely know that in families, they're at a much higher risk. So we really need to to use that time to be supportive and ask the questions, you know, the hard questions that we were really worried about somebody. Anything else that you felt like you wanted people to know or to validate as far as grieving after a complicated relationship? No, I think I'd just reiterate that, you know, grief is messy because life is messy and relationships are messy. And, and again, things you don't not seeing things in black and white so much, but looking for those nuances and those gray areas. And then again, like you've said, just be a friend, be there for people. Even if they saw their, their father once in their life. Sometimes I've seen where adopt, you know, biological parents have died that the child hardly knew maybe they were adopted, but that there's still a loss. Cause again, that's that loss of 
anything of that person changing or the relationship changing or any future that they might have had as well. The loss of the future that you imagine. Yeah. If people have questions about Kate's Club or your new young adult group that you're starting, I don't know if it's um, all in person, if it's going to be online, how do people... Um, learn about. Yeah. Well, you can go to www.katesclub.org. And we do plan with our young adult group to have some in-person and some virtual. We're working on a new virtual platform as well. So yeah, please get in touch. And I'm at lane.pease, P-E-A-S-E at katesclub.org. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you so much to Kate for being on the show today. Next week, I speak with Kathy Benjamin. She's the author of It's Your Funeral, Plan the Celebration of a Lifetime Before It's Too Late, and Funerals to Die For, the craziest, creepiest, and most bizarre funeral traditions and practices ever. I recently read her first book, It's Your Funeral, and we're going to talk a lot about that book next week on the show. Join us then. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.